Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Lynn. Wow, you guys are blessed. You have amazing pastors. Pastors Lynn and Renee are incredible people. I'm crying because I'm just, this is just, it's a great opportunity, but it's just, you know, you get to that point where you're like, God says, you know what? You're done with that. Now you're going to move into this. And when you surrender, all of you are called to be preachers of the gospel in your own ways, own unique ways. And so today, I just feel honored. There's been so many amazing people, as Pastor Lynn shared, in this pulpit and in this space. And, um, and you can feel the weight of that because you want to, I'm just the messenger. It's God's message. You know, it's been around for time immemorial, but I want to bring you this message today that's really been on my heart lately. And honestly, it's almost like I've just been so uncomfortable on the inside because God's like, I'm going to stir you up and make you uncomfortable until you share this. This is the first time I've shared this message in a church. And so I'm so excited to share with you guys today because I feel like God wants to shift our knowledge to the next level spiritually. He wants to give us a fresh vision of who he is. And I'm so excited to share this with you guys because it's blowing my mind right now. And I've been raised in church all my life, but it's almost like I had the benefits of just enjoying the fruits of my parents and my grandparents' labors. They chose Christ. And now I'm just living in this paradise life, this great life. But when you choose this life, I promise you, it will change everything for you. If you've never chosen Jesus, or even if you've chosen to follow Jesus, and you just want more of God today, I want you, I want to grow your faith today. That's really my goal. So I'm titling this sermon today, Paradise and the Tree of Eternal Life. Paradise and the Tree of Eternal Life. Life, And if I have a subtitle, it's how to make your life more like paradise. How many want a life more like paradise today? The more we align our lives with God's paradise, the paradise that we see in Genesis, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. The more we align our lives with God's paradise, Genesis, the more our lives will be like paradise. The more we move away from that paradise... And what God says, this is paradise, the less our lives will be like paradise. So I want to give you a fresh vision today of what paradise is. And I'm going to start with a story. Major Muktuk Marston during World War II was stationed in Alaska. This is a true story. I just read this recently. It's so fascinating. Major Muktuk Marston during World War II was stationed in Alaska to help train warriors to defend the borders of the United States against her enemies during World War II. And he had to learn how to survive in freezing cold temperatures. He had to learn how to hunt, to feed his sled dogs, to take care of himself. He wasn't from Alaska, but he was stationed there. And he had to learn how to live in these extreme conditions. And he wrote in his book and he said, I have 20-20 vision, but have learned that the Eskimos can see further than me. They can see through fog and mist and distinguish animals and ships. He said, they can see caribou when I can only see fog. Today, I want to give you eyes that can see through fog. I want to give you eyes that can see through fog. How many wants eyes that can see through fog? Say, I want to have eyes that can see through fog today. I want to give you a refined vision, a fresh vision through the fog and mist of maybe uncertainty, maybe even hopelessness, maybe confusion, but something that will draw you deeper into what Christ has for you today. In the book of Beginnings, the beginning of beginnings, Genesis. Genesis 2.8 says, Then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. He placed a garden eastward in Eden, and there he placed the man. He created this beautiful garden for the man with luscious trees and all these wonderful things. He put it eastward in Eden, 
And there he put the man he formed. Verse 9, besides this, God caused every tree beautiful to the sight, beauty, and good for food to grow from the ground. Also in the middle of the garden were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of learning the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm going to talk about those two trees today, especially the tree of life. Eden in Hebrew translates to the English word paradise. So God created a paradise and eastward in paradise, he placed a garden, a beautiful garden for the man to dwell in. Revelation 2.7 says, he who has an ear, and I'm praying that God will break open your hearts today and make good ground, good soil so that these seeds can come in. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Somebody say, I want my life to look more like paradise. All right, so I'm going to get a little academic on you now because I've been teaching um, college courses for about 15 years. I want to get into just briefly, what is paradise? And I'm not just making this up. This is from thousands of years of Christian commentary, teachings, the scriptures. What is paradise? Paradise is a place and a principle. A place, a real place, and a principle. It is a garden of delight. It's a place that God created in the beginning of beginnings, but it's of a refined matter. It's something we don't even really have a word for, and we really can't most of us can't reach in our, in our physical bodies, but it is a beautiful place of a substance that is more than material and more than spiritual. It also has things that we know about, trees and four rivers and animals and all these things, but even those things are incorruptible. Heaven flows through their roots. The power of God surges through those currents. This is the space where Adam and Eve were dwelling and walking with God. It's a place and it's also a principle. What is a principle? Paradise is a principle. It's a, a principle is a foundational truth about existence that transcends our opinions. Principles mold us and shape us. We don't break principles. Principles break us to make us better humans, to mold us and shape us and change our, change our mediocre lives to great lives. Our U.S. Constitution touches on some, of, some principles, and it says, endowed by our creator, equality, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We don't break principles. We align with principles if we want our lives to look like paradise. For example, truth is a principle that breaks opinions. This is why we have schools. This is why we, why we have colleges, universities, training courses. If I'm going to be an engineer, I'm not going to go to a university for a gazillion years and just hear somebody's opinion. I want to learn the truth about how to be an engineer. So truth breaks opinions. The principle of paradise, now get this, the principle of paradise unrelentlessly calls on us to strive to make our lives and make our societies more like paradise. It is always calling on us, even if we don't realize it. How do we respond? Everybody responds even if they don't even believe in God because they're always trying, we're always trying to make better laws, better policies, better philosophies, better ways of learning, behavioral models, all these kinds of things. Sometimes we even look for paradise in a relationship. We look for paradise in another person. Almost paradise. Remember that song? We're knocking on heaven's door. Paradise. We have art. We have movies. We have novels. We have music. Everything to express paradise. So paradise is a place and a principle. 
If you want to use your Bible today, I'm going to be staying mostly in Genesis. I will be getting into the New Testament as well. But in the beginning, in paradise, God gave Adam and Eve all of these trees to enjoy. He's given us everything. But there are boundaries to what we can enjoy. He's given us everything to enjoy, all these trees to enjoy. But he said, there's one tree in the middle of the garden. And he said, I don't want you to eat of that tree. I don't even want you to touch that tree. Don't do that. When God tells us not to do something or to do something, it is for our benefit. It's not to prevent us. It's not to make us not have fun. You know what I mean? It's to make us really have more fun and a, an incredible life. It's, it's to help us um, have a life that's just sweet, not bittersweet, if that makes sense. Okay? So he said there is one, and it's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now get this. Knowledge without experience is just information. Okay? Knowledge without experience is just information. If I have the information and a manual of how to become an airline pilot, I know, oh, okay, I got to get an airplane. I got to push this button, pull this lever. I got to do this. I got to sit down, buckle my seatbelt, tell everybody to sit down. That's information. But when I step into a pilot seat and fly an airplane, that's true knowledge. Knowledge without experience is just information. If I have information about how to perform a surgery, I've got, oh, I got to get a scalpel. I got to get this person all prepped and ready. Okay, they got a bad appendix. We got to cut it open, knock them out, pull that appendix out, you know, sew them back up. I have information. But if I step into an operating room and I put the gloves on and I perform a surgery, that's true knowledge. Adam and Eve had information. And we have information. Don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they ate of that tree and they experienced shame for the first time, guilt for the first time, fear for the first time, they had true knowledge. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They went from living this pristine, unbelievable life, walking in the garden with God, the Lord God, it said, in the cool of the morning, and decided, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. And they experienced the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis 3, 7 says, after they did that, it says, then the eyes of the two were opened. I want you to get that Adam and Eve is us, okay? They are us. What they did, we do. When God tells us don't touch something, don't look at something, don't taste something, what do we want to do? We always want to do what we're not supposed to do. We want what we don't have. You know what I mean? But he says, Genesis 3, 7 says, then the eyes of the two, Adam and Eve, were opened and they knew they were naked. They, they experienced vulnerability for the first time. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Some teachings say that the original tree of the knowledge of good and evil was some kind of a fig tree. And if you study figs, they're so fascinating because they're actually an in, inverted flower. Um, but they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Then they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden that afternoon. And Adam and his wife hid themselves within the tree in the middle of the garden from the presence of the Lord God. When we sin, I mean, sometimes we're deceived and we sin and we make a mistake and we sin, but often we willingly, knowingly choose to sin. Why? Because we want to. It's not like somebody 
that is saying, oh, you know, I'm hungry, I need to go steal some bread. Not that that's okay, but I'm just saying, sometimes people, we just, we steal because we want to. We say things because we want to, because we can, because we have a free will. Sometimes it's like, you know, watch this. You know, that's what was happening here. Yes, they were deceived, but they willingly knew, knowingly knew what they were doing. Genesis 3, 9 says, so here they are hidden now in the garden because in those glorified bodies, all of a sudden they experience now shame for the first time, heaviness for the first time, you know, guilt. And it says, so the Lord God called Adam, Genesis 3, 9, and said to him, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? My beautiful, my beautiful son, my beautiful creation, Eve, where are you? I've created this beautiful place for you. I love you. The Bible says God is love. God is love. And Adam replied, I heard your voice, Lord God, as you were walking in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Listen, God will pursue you. These songs today all led up to this sermon. I, I mean, Pastor Christy, it was like every single lyric was lifting up these words and, and what I wanted to say today. God will pursue you till the day you die. That's what love does. But love requires a choice. I'm not going to drag somebody, and God's not going to drag you to love him. I can't force anybody to love me. You can't force anybody to love you. Love requires a choice, and it requires at least two people, okay? So God is pursuing them. He's saying, I love you. That's what unconditional love. Adam, where are you? Where are you, my son? Where are you, my daughter? But we have to respond to that. We have to say, I love you back. That's the only way that that relationship comes together with Christ. But unconditional love never stops. It never stops. Even though we have a free will, even though we have to choose, it just never stops. They ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had true knowledge. God was disappointed, I'm sure. I mean, if God experiences disappointment, but God keeps on loving because that's the essence of God. What God is, is unconditional love. And in Genesis 3.21, it says, For Adam and his wife, the Lord God made garments of skin and clothed them. They were afraid. They felt naked. They felt vulnerable. And God said, okay, let me create garments of skin for you. I'm going to create garments, and I'm going to clothe you. I love you. I'm going to create garments of skin for you. I'm going to clothe you. Now, in paradise, there was no killing. There was no predator. There was no prey. They had skin. This is what some, some teachings are. It's, it's, it's kind of this, this space that we're walking in right now between heaven and earth, okay, all of us. But we have skin. All of a sudden, they can feel pain. They, can, they, can, they have all of their senses. They can hear, they can see, they can smell, they can taste, they can touch, they can, all of these things just like us. But God made them garments of skin and clothed them. Some commentaries say that before they had these garments of skin, they had glorified bodies of light, pure light. We're gonna have glorified bodies as well one day. And so he clothed them. Genesis 3.22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. All of us are made in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. He made us in his image. What does that mean? There's a lot of layers, and I talked to Pastor Lynn about this, like how far do we go with this, but we are made in the image of God. Do we sin? Yes, we do. Is our free will in a fallen state? Yes, it is. Do we make choices sometimes we wish we wouldn't make? Yes, we do. But all of us are made in the image of God, and all of us are redeemable until the day we die. 
All of us are redeemable. So there is this pure good aspect within each of us, and it's important to realize that. In fact, after God finished creating everything, including humans, the Bible says in Genesis 1.31, then God saw everything he had made, and indeed, what did he say? Not just good, but very good, very good. The scripture continues Genesis 3.22, and it says, Now, says the Lord, lest he, Adam, put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And there's no end to that sentence. There's no period to that sentence. There's no question mark. There's no dot, dot, dot. Now they have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They are in a fallen state. And now it's almost like a pause, like a breath. If they eat of the tree of eternal life, they will be in a fallen state of misery for eternity. And so God, the unconditional love comes in again. That can't happen. They can't live in that state forever. Lest they put out their hand and take also of the tree of life and eat forever. This cannot happen. What will happen? If that happens, there will be unmentionable despair. What would happen is unmentionable. You can't even put it in the Bible. You can't even say it. You don't, don't even think about it. And so where there was an unmentionable space in that sentence and an unmentionable space in the circumstance and where there's an unmentionable space in our circumstances when we're going through God knows what, God's grace steps in and fills the gap. We might do the unmentionable, but that unconditional love fills up with grace and we say, God, forgive me. Turn from my ways, forgive me. God's grace fills that gap. That's what unconditional love does. We might even say the unmentionable. All of us are working on what we're saying, at least I am but God's grace fills the gap. We might think the unmentionable. We think things sometimes. We're like, why am I even thinking these things? I'll tell you what, once I became a mom, that mama bear instinct is crazy. I was scared of myself, some of my thoughts that I had. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, that, that what we think sometimes, but God's grace always fills the gap. In our lives, when we sin, When we knowingly, willfully sin, God's grace will always fill the gap. Somebody say, God's grace fills the gap. gap. Again, like I mentioned before, when God tells us to do something or not to do something, listen, sometimes it's fun to rebel. Everybody knows that. Sometimes we sin, it's just fun sometimes. Sometimes we sin because... I don't know, we can. You know, we talk, I just talked about that. But ultimately, if we align with the principles of God, our lives will be beyond fun. They will be ecstatic. They will be beyond our even imagination. So as much as possible, I want to encourage you to align with the principles of paradise. Align with your walk in Christ. Align with what the scriptures teach us because that is the only way that you'll be able to walk through the stuff that you're gonna encounter in this life and do it with grace. Genesis 3.23 says, therefore, the Lord God sent Adam out of the garden of pleasure. Now, there's consequences. Yes, God's grace fills the gap, but there's consequences, but that's not the end of the story, so hang on here, okay? Because unconditional love is always pursuing us. Genesis 3.23 says, Therefore the Lord God sent him, Adam, out of the garden of pleasure to cultivate, to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. Adam had to cultivate himself. He had to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. That's how we get our food but he also had to cultivate himself. It's a relationship. Yes, there's God's grace, but then we have to do our part as well. 
and there's a cultivation that happens. How do we cultivate ourselves? Through prayer, through reading scriptures, through following Jesus's teachings, through worship, through seeking wisdom. We have to dig out the roots of deception, lies that somebody told about you, lies that, told, that somebody told that you, that you are something that maybe you believed about yourself. You believe what God says you are, not what anybody else says you are. We have to dig out the roots of deception in our lives and become good soil. When Eve was deceived by the serpent in the garden of Eden, he told her, if you and Adam eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God's, little g. You'll become like God's. They were already made in the image of God. Sometimes we're reaching for something that we already are. We're trying to be something we already are in Christ. We're trying to, oh, if I do that, if I get, if I get more followers, if I get more likes, if I get more subscribers, you know, getting into uh, modern times here. I mean, if we, we, we reach, if I just look better, if I, you know, just all these things, but we are made in the image of God. It's okay to want to be an excellent person because we are the chariot for the king of kings. We are the temple, but don't always reach for things that the world says that you need to be. Reach for what God says. And when we truly understand that we're not the tail, that we're the head, that we are children of the king of kings, that we're a royal priesthood, that you are more than you can ever imagine, but you step into that and start thinking about that and giving thanks for that, it changes everything. And when we truly understand who we are in Christ and we cultivate ourselves, our families will change. Our loved ones will change. Our world will change. Now, how do we do that? This is like abstract paradise. It's a place. It's a principle. It's out there. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, we're sinners saved by grace. We've got, we're made in the image of God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to come in flesh so that they understand even better, so that they can follow me. I'm going to become one of them. Jesus became one of us. And I want to talk to you for a minute about this idea that the second tree, the tree of life, the tree of eternal life is symbolically and literally Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There are a ton of writings on this, okay, as this kind of type of Jesus, but also tree, Jesus as the tree of eternal life, his sacrifice on the cross, okay? So we're going to go there now. Are you guys still with me? Yes. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. All right. Now I want to get into the New Testament a little bit here because we're coming from the, from heavenly, the divine heavenly realm. I want to get down to where we are in our physical forms. John eleven twenty five 25 through 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He's the tree of eternal life. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, this is talking about life here, an abundant life here, and an eternal life in paradise, okay? So it's not just I'll fly away, but it is that. But it's also right here, John 15 and 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. When we're grafted into the vine of Christ, have you guys ever seen how things are grafted? We have citrus trees, uh, my husband and I, and we have um, fruit we have, we have orange trees, grapefruit trees, and lemon trees. But a lot of times what people do in Phoenix sometimes, they'll graft like a lemon tree and an orange tree together and you get lemons and oranges on the same tree. When we're grafted 
into the vine of Jesus Christ, we bear great fruit. But apart from him, spiritually, we're only dead, dry branches, okay? And it's not like we don't all go in and out of this a little bit because we are human too. But when we are spiritually dead, we're just crunchy and crispy and just everything's really on our nerves and we're just not happy and just, oh my word, and that and this. No, but when we're grafted in, we're alive. We come fully alive. Something happens in the way we see things. Something happens about the, the fruit it's so funny. My husband and I are sort of teaching our daughter. She's, she'll, she'll just go to the grocery store and just, God bless you. People are just like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, you share. It's, it's, you have a different aroma about you. You create a different presence. When you walk in, your shoulders are back. You're a daughter of the king of kings. You're a son of the king of kings. And you're here to bless because you're going to let God use you. My grandpa Yaden used to say, Flow through me without being corrupted by me. Flow through me without being corrupted by me. Genesis 3, 24, continuing with the story of Adam. So God cast out Adam and made him dwell opposite the garden of pleasure. This is where we are today. We live we live opposite the garden of pleasure, opposite the principle of paradise, opposite the, the place. But can you imagine, imagine with me for a minute, Adam, he's opposite. He was in the garden. He was in paradise. He can see through the gates. He can see the rivers. He can see the animals. But now he's in these Garments of flesh, and he can experience pain and suffering, and he's digging in the dirt, and he hurt his hand, he's tilling the ground, he's cultivating the ground and trying to cultivate himself, and, but he can see the trees, he can see the butterflies, he can see the birds of paradise, he can smell the trees of paradise. That's where we are. We, we, we have a word for paradise, the principle, but we can't fully enter in the gates yet. Yet. We can sort of live in that space, but we can't fully enter in yet. We have a word for it. We have a principle for it. But like Adam, we can't fully enter in. We might say, hey, I'm going to go on a vacation to paradise. How many wants to go to paradise on your vacation? Hawaii, an island somewhere on a beach. Balmy, breeze is blowing, the palm trees are flowing in the wind. You're there with your favorite book. And all of a sudden you get a phone call from your husband. I crashed the rental car. You wake up in bed, the kids have thrown up in the bed. It's just, it's just not paradise anymore. I mean, we try. I thought this was gonna be paradise. It starts raining. You know, you're thirsty, you're hungry, you're tired. You don't, you're totally out of money because your wife spent all the money on some cute clothes, all really expensive ones. I mean, it's just not, par we try to create it. Everybody does. But we, it's hard to fully enter in because we're in a fallen state, just like Adam. Just like Eve. After God cast Adam and Eve out of paradise, Genesis 3.24 continues. Now, this is, this is some fun stuff we're going to get into in just a minute here. 3.24. Now, I'm just still grasping some of this myself. Okay? So hang on there with me. Then God stationed the cherubim and the fiery sword, which turns every way to guard the way to the tree of life. God shuts the gates of paradise. Adam and Eve are out now. And he stations cherubim. Cherubim is plural for cherub. And I'm not talking about the little chubby babies on our Valentine's cards that shoot bows and arrows and got the hearts and making all the love connections. These are powerful beings, immaterial beings that we call angels. And cherubim are on the top triple triad 
of the levels of angels, okay? Angels and archangels interact with human beings. The archangel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're gonna bear a son. There's so much more going on here, you guys, than just eating, drinking, you know, sleeping and watching our favorite Netflix show. There's a lot more going on here, okay? Cherubim don't interact with human beings. Cherubim protect principles. Cherubim protect principles. God stationed the cherubim to protect the way to the tree of life, the principle of paradise. And if cherubim protect principles, so should we. Somebody say, protect the principle. Protect the principle of paradise in your life. When you step into following Christ, you're going to experience paradise and and ways of being and living in this world beyond your imagination. And I want to encourage you, protect that. You're going to experience the Prince of Peace. You're going to experience peace, joy, love. Even when there's craziness going around, you're going to be able to walk in this space that's just, oh my goodness, I feel so good. Somebody's going to come to you from your family and what are you so happy about? Did you see what's on the news? Hallelujah. Jesus touched them. Jesus. But you've got to protect your paradise. You've got to protect that space. That's your power. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Your friends aren't going to understand it either. Maybe some of them, if they're not Christian, they're not going to get it. What, you think you're too good now? You don't go out with us anymore? You don't get trashed anymore? You don't get wasted anymore? You don't toke up with us anymore? You're too good? Yeah, I am. I'm in paradise right now. You know what I'm saying? You go ahead and do what you want to do, but I'm in paradise right now, and I'm going to protect it. You've got to protect it for your children. You've got to protect it for your families. You've got to protect it for future generations. So don't let anyone or anything mess with your walk in Christ. You've been partaking of the tree of life. Jesus conquered death to give us eternal life, to open wide the gates of paradise to bring us in. Now, I read something the other day that said, I'm going to share it with you. And if I'm not correct, then Pastor Lynn can, can preach on it later and <laughs> fix, fix whatever I mess up here. But I read that during those three days when Jesus died before he was resurrected, there are teachings that he went to hell and took back the gates, took back the keys to the gates of paradise and said, oh, no, uh-uh. No, we're going to open these wide and they come through me and they are going into paradise. He turned the Roman cross of crucifixion and death into a tree of resurrection and eternal life. Come on. That's our Jesus. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been living in this, but I've never really fully grasped it to the extent, and even now, it's just like, whoa, it's expansive. It just goes on and on. The more you study, the more you learn, the more you know you don't know. You know what I mean? And you just keep going. Now, listen to this. Every time you take communion, you take the body and the blood of Christ, you are partaking of the tree of eternal life. You are, part, you are being transformed into the image of Christ. We're sloughing off the old flesh and we're feeding our immortal, our glorified bodies as we're preparing our lives. Every age, we're moving you know, further and further into our relationship with Christ if we choose to. Every time we take communion, we are partaking of the body and the blood of Jesus. The li- blood represents life. So that's what we're doing. We're taking on the image of Christ. Revelation 22, 13 and 14 and 16. Christ says, Jesus says, now this is, I wanted to read from the beginning Genesis, but it's also in the very end. Somebody said, I read the back of the book and we win. (laughs) Remember that? Ah, Revelation 22, 
Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is our life, you guys. I'm telling you right now, this is what it's about. This is the hope. We either step into this truth and live a life like beyond our wildest dreams and paradise and hope and joy, or we don't. And we go through what we're going through and all of the chaos and all the mess. And the more you guys spread the message of Jesus, the more our whole world would become a beautiful paradise. It's up to all of us. And it says, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Somebody say, I have the right to the tree of life. I have the right to the tree of life. We got to say it three times. I have the right to the tree of life. I have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. That is what it's all about. So we're walking with Jesus. We're moving with Jesus. We're living and moving and having our being in this space. It's so beautiful, you guys. You know, I don't even think that, I think, I'll I'll be really honest with you. I've always kind of lived in this space. I mean, Pastor Renee, she does too. Always. I mean, we just live in this space. But during COVID, I didn't realize how broken the, the world was, honestly. I just didn't realize I never saw it like I do now. You know what I mean? And so it, made me, it forced me to like dig in there and go, how does this work? I still don't have it all figured out for sure. I'm like barely, you know, but, but this is some of the things that God stirred in my heart from that. Now, I want to close. I'm not, done clo- I'm not done yet, so don't, don't shut down and go eat yet. Okay, um, I want to <laughs> I want to close with a poem. It's actually not a close. I'm just going to read a poem. Um, <laughs> it was a poem, but uh, and this comes from the fourth century. Okay, it's by a Syrian named named Ephraim, who is a Christian poet and theologian, and he talks about paradise and the tree of eternal life. And listen to this, you guys. I love. I like spiritual poetry. Anyway, it says, he said, scripture brought me to the gate of paradise. That's what we did today. Scripture brought me to the gate of paradise and the mind, which is spiritual, the mind and the brain are two totally different things. The mind, which is spiritual, stood in amazement and wonder as it entered. The intellect grew dizzy and weak as the senses were no longer able to to contain its treasures. If you really start studying paradise, um, don't ask God for more than you can handle mentally, okay? Because it's a lot. But he said, I stood in amazement and wonder as it entered. The intellect grew dizzy and weak as the senses were no longer able to contain its treasures, so magnificent they were, or to discern its savors and find any comparison for its colors. Some of you are gonna see colors in a new way when you step into this place. I was talking to somebody the other day who's an artist who's, who's chosen not to believe. And I said, if you would choose to believe and you would start walking this, you would see colors in a new way. You'd be able to paint things that nobody would be able to resist. And find any comparison for its colors or take in its beauties so as to describe them in words. Words are just ways to try to talk about these things, right? And then he goes on about the tree of life. Great, this part just, oh my goodness. Greatly saddened was the tree of life when it beheld Adam stolen away from it. It's not that God didn't want them to enjoy eternal life, but they made a choice to experience the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he couldn't let them live forever in that state. Greatly saddened was the tree of life when it beheld Adam stolen away from it. It sank down into the virgin ground of paradise, Mary, and was hidden to burst forth and reappear on Golgotha. 
Golgotha, the skull, the place where Jesus was crucified, where he turned death into life, where he turned destruction and despair into paradise. So today, I hope that I have brought you to the gates of paradise and given you eyes that can see through fog and see through the mist a little bit better, a refined vision to encourage your hearts. And if there's anybody here that has never chosen this path, you've never heard this before, you've never even thought about choosing Jesus, I want to encourage you to do that today as well. And I want to give you an opportunity to move from just a mundane life to a powerful life, you guys. I want to give you an opportunity to choose Jesus, and even if you've already chosen Jesus, to walk closer with him. I love that old song, draw me nearer. Remember that? Nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. You may have some information about Jesus. You may know he lived 2,000 years ago. Grandma prayed to him. We did this. We read the scriptures. Grandma used to pray for me. But when you step into an experience of Jesus, you have true knowledge. You step into a whole new level. Let me tell you something, and I know this church is ready for that because I've been hearing things and seeing things, and I'm so excited for you guys. But I want to close for real this time, and I am going to do a few things, and I asked Pastor Lynn if this was okay, but I want to start first, if all of us would close our eyes and bow our heads and just let a sweet, holy hush descend upon us. God, thank you for your scriptures today. Lord, thank you for your word today. God, we want to be broken, open, good soil. And I want us to keep our eyes closed and our our hearts open. But is there anyone here that says, I've never chosen Jesus. I've never chosen to walk Jesus. If no one's looking around, maybe you would feel comfortable to raise your hand and only I will see you and God will see you, but I've never chosen, but I I wanna choose today to follow Christ. I don't know how it works. I don't know what the next step is, but I'll raise my hand today and I'll say, yes, I will choose to follow Christ today. I will choose to step into this Christ life. I will choose to step into this paradise life. Lord, I thank you so much for anybody that's choosing today for the first time to follow you. They are in for the ride of their life. They are in for a journey that is beyond any expectation, any imagination. It is expansive. Now, is there anyone with our heads bowed and our eyes closed that says, I'm a Christian. I've already chosen Jesus, but I want to choose again. I want more. I want more paradise in my life. Would anybody raise their hand and say, I want more. I want more of God. I want more of walking with Jesus. I want more clarity. I want to go to the next level in my my journey with Christ. And if all of us would just stand together now, if that's okay. And I know we're we're hungry, but I want to, to ask you, if you will, and if you don't want to, it's okay. But again, love requires a choice. It requires us responding. I mean, God was like, Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He's God. He knows everything. He sees everything. But Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Will you respond to that love? And before we go and eat, I want to encourage us to, you are in our mind, we're in the principle, we're in the spiritual realm, but get in your 
physical body for a second. And I want, there's something about taking a step out from where you are and come down to the front just for a few minutes. If, you're, if you don't want to, it's okay. But I wanna encourage you, would somebody step out, all of us maybe, <laughs> come down to the front and just say, God, I just want more of you. It's not, it's, it's just a way of saying, you know what, I surrender. I want clarity. How do I preach the gospel in a new way? How do I preach the gospel when I walk into the grocery store, when I walk into the department store, when I go to my job, when I go to work, when I'm with my family, when I'm with my extended family who's not believers, when I'm with my friends who are not believers, show me how to speak to them so that I say words that don't harden their heart, but that crack them open. They can't even figure out why they feel the way they do. But I'm bringing paradise to them. I'm, pre- I'm bringing the tree of eternal life to them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give them some fruit to taste. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done on the cross. The creator of heaven manifested in flesh, took on a waterproof skin suit like we have, and came and walked amongst us. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word is logos, logic, reason, wisdom. God came and walked among us. God, we thank you. I ask you to just a special blessing over everyone in this house. Give them clarity. Give them courage. Give them a deeper understanding of who you are. Help them to walk into a space that's unique to them and walk in a new way with their shoulders back, realizing that they are made in the image of God, that your grace covers everything, that you, they are, they are really the messenger. You are the message. They're just a messenger but God, that you will equip them and that you will guide them and lead them in a direction that they never dreamed that they would go. New dreams, new visions, new ways of thinking, new ways of being in the world, because that's what you do, God. Unconditional love flows through us if we allow it. Perfection, pristine perfection of paradise. I pray that over all the people in the lives that are here today and that they would go forth and share the love of Jesus wherever they go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.